Hello, everyone. This is the Weird World Podcast. My name's Carrie. I'm Dean. And we're going to do part two of something, right, Dean? Part two of the Brooke Hart kidnapping, disappearance. That's it. I will recap here briefly, as I want to do. I think you should. On first on first and second parts, two parts. They do it on Netflix. You might as well do it on okay. Weird World. Yeah, previously on, we discovered <laughs> that there is this little, probably the most popular guy in San Jose. His name is Brooke Hart. He was the just kind of a fan favorite in San Jose in the 1930s, the scion of a very wealthy and beloved family that owned Hart's department store in downtown. He, he was the odd... Nice, kind, privileged, rich kid. Right? Yes, yes. Carrie hates rich, rich people. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. No, so don't. he disappeared on November 9th, 1933. This is the Great Depression. There's a lot of desperation in the world. Two very desperate people were named Jack Holmes and Thomas Harold Thurmond. They were so desperate that they kidnapped young Brooke heart hoping to get a sizable ransom from his again very wealthy family they, they, in today's money they'd be multi multi-millionaires they were also dumb though because as you recall they started they called the house and and uh the kidnappers the kidnappers well yes i'm sorry the kidnappers called the house many times from various different places sacramento san francisco so this whole time they were based in san jose they did little side trips to san francisco or sacramento to make phone calls presumably to fool the police of where they were located but they're really in san jose and now when they made their fateful last phone call to the heart house they were in san jose they made that call from san jose they made that call from a location at a parking garage or some kind of a garage that was located about 150 feet from the main san jose police department station not genius. The police were over there. They fa- they literally found, I believe it was Harold, l- literally hanging up the phone, having just finished the call with the uh, Hart family yes. about ransom. But also, thank God for dumb criminals. Yes, that's also true, too. You're right. You're right. So they confessed. Whether or not it was completely <laughs> voluntary, we'll never know. But they did. Both of the, the men confessed to having kidnapped Brooke Hart, and they told a pretty sordid and horrific story that we ended with last time about how they essentially they took Brooke. They never, they clearly never had any intention of really giving him up for the ransom. They took him to the Sam Tail Bridge. They beat him up a little bit. They tied a couple of cement blocks with wire to his legs and they tossed him over the bridge. He fought valiantly to the point where they had to shoot down at him in the darkness until they stopped hearing any struggle down below them in the water they then essentially left him for dead that's where we ended and some men heard him in the water he was calling out yes and they couldn't find him that's the most heartbreaking it is it is it is because he he well we'll we'll find out if he would have lived or not okay so let's pick up again having heard what happened to Brooke from the two criminals mm-hmm. and there's still, and it had been over a week, right? And the criminals said, now we left him for dead with him over a bridge. It was, and, and that was day one. They did that on day one. Yeah. Immediately. Okay. Hour, okay. hour one or two. Okay. They did it almost immediately. Yes. They, the Hart family had to have known that their son was dead. Everyone in the city though, wanted to know what became of him, including, of course, the family. They wanted to retrieve the body. And there was still kind of a mystery. Like, okay, well, if he's right. dead, where exactly is he? Again, 
a multi-force battalion of law enforcement went into action. We saw earlier in the investigation during when he was missing and and still presumed being kidnapped before they had found the culprits. It was a massive manhunt from all all kinds of different law enforcement agencies. Again, it helps to be a a rich person if something something bad happens to you. In this case, sheriff's departments from the three counties, (laughs) including Santa Clara County where San Jose is, all deployed forces to help find the body of what they presume would be the body of the right. They went and they investigated on the bridge pretty, uh, you know, the next day after they found out. And they did find some signs that can seem to confirm the story from Holmes and Thurmond. There were some apparent blood stains on the bridge. Remember, they hit him in the head with a, right. with a brick or, or like a cement block, I think. Yeah. Um, they beat him up a little bit. There were also some blonde hairs on a brick they found on the bridge. Was he blonde? He was blonde. Okay. On November 20th, they found the pillowcase that fit with how the kidnappers said they had blinded Brooke. As you recall, they, they essentially said that they put a pillowcase over his head and they drove him out to the bridge. Right. They also found Brooke's hat, too. Oh, I, I think the pillowcase and the, and the hat were in that immediate area of where the San Mateo Bridge. I don't know if it was in the water or what. I, I, I'm not completely clear. But so far, everything's jibing with the story of the kidnappers. Yet still, no body. Police dragged the ocean near the bridge they dredged in the muck at the base of the bridge as you recall this is a it's a bridge where a lot of the first part of it is on almost causeway like and that there's a lot of muddy mucky ground before you actually get to open water mm-hmm. and so they considered hey maybe we could drop a, a weighted dummy to, to kind of mimic brooks body we'll dump it where the kidnappers roughly said they dumped him and we'll see where that goes and then maybe that's where the body would be. Okay. I don't think they did that, but they at least that was some of the things they're trying to concoct new ways of, of how could they find this body. Yeah. Some workers who were building a portion of the Bay Bridge, which is now one of your favorite bridges because it goes across the entire San Francisco Bay and you love being on it, especially. But now it's an even newer bridge, right? It's very new. Yeah. This is yeah. the the one that was before it was destroyed by an earthquake in 1989. But the Bay, they're building the Bay Bridge. And they spotted a body floating in the water where they're building. This is on the 22nd of November. So they sent out searchers and boats. They scoured the area. Again, nothing. They brought in a blimp to search from the air in addition to fixed-wing airplanes. And U.S. Marines were even brought out to help. There was a big Marine base nearby. And still, no sign of Brooke. On November 24th, the Hart family announced a $500, it's $11,000 in today's money, reward for anyone who found their son. Wow. I mean, the body of their yeah. son. By the next day, though, on the 25th, the authorities officially called off the search. Huh. It's, they've done everything they could. I guess. It had been, I think that was about eight days since the confession. So about a week of searching. I mean. I mean, the, it, it could have been washed out to sea, right? For sure. Yeah. yeah. If, if the folks on the Bay Bridge, that's, you know, getting toward the mouth there, right. the San Francisco Bay, that goes out to sea, and that's where the currents would go. So, yeah, it's yeah. possible. Naturally, though, only about two days later, on November 27th, two duck hunters in a marshy area just about a half mile south of the San Mateo Bridge, so right in the immediate area, yeah. they spotted something along with the shore. They went a little closer. They saw it was a body. They had an inkling who it was, so they told the authorities, 
in the 30s came out and they found a pretty badly decomposed and gruesomely scavenged by crabs body uh. and they looked on the, on the clothes and they found several effects that were brooks and i guess his clothes and those effects were positively identified as brooks by some of his close friends okay this indeed was the body of brook hart he was finally found so you're wondering what did he have a chance the coroner found that brook had died by drowning yeah he had no bullet wounds they did not hit him with all those oh, shots they fired into the dark no. they missed in every single case so yes he probably would have lived he wasn't terribly injured he drowned with um those cement blocks waving to his legs so if yeah. people had been able to get, get out there and help him he, he probably would have lived oh, that's worse so the search was over for brooke and brooke's body but the real drama the real tension of this story was just about to begin so so we'll go back a little bit. San Jose, I mean, since these guys were arrested for the kidnapping, San Jose was just uh, a simmering boil. The anger was palpable. The news of the two kidnappers came out. It broke, I guess, the evening of November 17th. Literally that day, there were immediate threats of street justice against the two men. I mean, it was instantaneous huh. as soon as they were arrested, yeah. as soon as they were named. What was the year again? 30... 1933. Three. Okay. A newspaper in San Jose ran a front page editorial that called Holmes and Thurman, quote, human devils and openly called for, quote, mob violence. Wow. That's a newspaper front page yeah. editorial. The Santa Clara County Sheriff, his name is William Emig. He'd been, as you recall, he'd been in on the arrest. He took these omens of violence pretty seriously. So not long after the arrest, he moved them in all the way up to San Francisco to the Portero Hill police station in the city just for their safekeeping, just thinking, okay, we'll move them there for a little while mm -hmm. and things will calm down. Soon after, though, Sheriff Emig, he thought better of this arrangement, so he brought them back down. I'm not clear why. My guess is because, you know, it was 15 minutes of fame. I mean, he was famous as the guy who nabbed this these yeah. two monsters and he wanted them – if, if any glory is going to go to a law enforcement person, he wanted to be that person. He was the, remember, he's the elected sheriff, he's a, which means you're basically a politician. He insisted that the two men be brought back to his jail, which is located right in the heart of downtown San Jose. He told a gathering at the local Lions Club that he spoke to. He said his office could, quote, deal with this crime. He's like, we got no problem. We'll, we'll take care of it here. He bragged that his county jail was like a fortress now it's still called St. james park it's a beautiful park about seven acres right in the middle of downtown san jose and a lot of the government buildings surround it there's a cathedral nearby on one side and so that jail that county jail is right there i think i want to say on the west side of st james park park heart of downtown san jose where all the city is up in arms and there's calls for violence he brings him back there yeah. and puts him in jail there it's clear that law enforcement knew there was this this thirst for blood boiling in the local populace, but it wasn't just the you know the yahoos and the yellow press that was fueling this thirst. The county district attorney for Santa Clara County he told newspapers that the two confessions where both men blamed the other one for actually killing right. Brookhart, either throwing him over or shooting at him. And so the DA told the press, he said, you know, I'm worried there, since there are two confessions to name the other person, they can essentially cancel each other out. All we have are those confessions. They could get thrown out. We need other corroborating evidence. 
we don't have that much. So he was kind of openly like, ooh, they might get away with this. Kind of, at least he was, you know, kind of leaving that implication within the press. Hmm. Not a smart thing to do. Yeah. A group of 20 very prominent friends of the Hart family formed a committee to, quote, insist on immediate and drastic punishment for the prisoners, end quote. These are powerful, connected pillars of San Jose society are calling pretty openly yeah. for mob justice. Mm-hmm. Then, this is 1933, which is the, why I think we're doing this right now. This is 1933. This is in what's now Silicon Valley. This is a major city in California, in the United States of America. Uh, these are two white guys, let's be honest, about what was going on in, in, in the rest of the, of the country at this time. It, it's just, it's remarkable. Then came talk of a potential insanity plea. And, oh, no. and it could either deny the death penalty or maybe even just get them put away into, you know, a mental institution for some period of time. In fact, Thurman openly, he apparently he told a prison psychiatrist, he said he had been, quote, crazy, unquote, for over a year, which is when his girlfriend left him and married another man. So he's, you know, they're setting up this kind of potential insanity plea and the people of San Jose, San Jose are getting wind of this. And they're, so they're seeing the county district attorney saying, oh, those confessions might not hold. Seeing another idea that maybe they're going to try insanity. Holmes, in fact, Jack Holmes, the other one, he said he would rescind his confession because his lawyer said that the confession would, was coerced by, quote, third-degree methods, end quote. Uh-huh. But almost certainly was. Right. The police, he claimed, had even, quote, Threatened to turn him over to the mob for lynching if he did not confess, end quote. Oh. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Yeah. So you have this, you know, the confessions might cancel out. One guy says he's going to rescind his confession. One guy says I'm insane. It lo- looks to be potentially setting up an insanity plea. Mm-hmm. Law enforcement rushed these two psychiatrists from the state mental hospital in uh, Santa Clara, in the city of Santa Clara. They rushed him to interview the two men, the two kidnap- kidnappers, and sort of counter these threats of insanity plea. And they talked to Holmes and Thurman pretty briefly and then came out and said, hey, they're perfectly sane. While they were in there talking to him, outside in the courtyard of the county jail, a mob was banging on the walls out, yeah. you know, surrounding the place. So, yeah, there's yeah. no surprise that they declared to be. Uh, same. They they were same. They were same. There's no question. And I mean, I guess even if the confessions were coerced mm-hmm. and they got thrown out, they had evidence. Well, yeah. the evidence they had their confession puts them I on know. the bridge. The br- confession is everything. It also has yeah. the brick they found. It also mm-hmm. has confession does everything. Remember, there wasn't good eyewitnesses. We had some eyewitnesses, one of whom was for sure lying. That that woman and her daughter were for sure lying in, yeah. in the first part. He had another possible person who saw someone who looked like Bert, Brooke with someone else. Uh, it was a farmer or a rancher or something like that from Milpitas. That's that's where they uh, took him to. You didn't have great evidence other yeah. than, than their confession. You really didn't. That's true. And everything that connects them yes. to it, yes. it comes from their confession. Yeah, Absolutely. So it was a little dicey hmm. if their confessions were thrown out. And I want to be completely clear. They for sure did, did this. There's no yeah. question whatsoever. They are the two perpetrators for but, sure. But uh, law enforcement, this is why you follow the rules. Yeah, you do. You do because you can get mm-hmm. bad people. You have good things happen to bad people mm-hmm. or bad things happen to good people mm-hmm. if you don't do the, do what's right. The, the assurances from the psychiatrist, the two-person psychiatrist, didn't assure anyone at all. They So there was cries of, lynch them, rang out from the crowds that were gathering around the jail pretty much every day at this point. 
So fearful of vigilante justice was law enforcement that the DA delayed seeking an indictment from a grand jury. He worried that the act of indicting them might incite the mob somehow. I'm not sure why. So he's just kind of hmm. holding them without an indictment. It's like they've confessed. We know what they did. They did do it. But we're just sort of, for their own safety, the San Jose authorities simply said that we're going to declare that the two men are in custody, quote, indefinitely. Yeah. End quote. Hoping things, again, would, would cool down soon enough and they could indict and, and process them as they normally would. But, which is for sure unconstitutional. Exactly. They can't do that. They, <laughs> they, they, they really should just follow the rules. Yeah. But there were, there was no one pressuring them. There's no alternative. The California governor, his name was Sonny Jim Rolf. He's a Republican. He saw this as a sizzling hot issue that he wanted to get on top of and, and attach himself to, for sure. He saw that right away. Mm -hmm. The kidnapping, murder, and arrest were, were national news. They were uh, you know, right. major story in, in terms of the whole country, but the top issue and story at this time for California. So the governor is all over it. He refused to intervene even as many people in San Jose asked him to call out the National Guard. Again, so these increasingly unruly mobs are hanging out around the jail where these, these two men are being kept. And uh, there's cries for vigilante justice and to lynch him. And Governor Rolf says, no. On November 23rd, he said, quote, the sheriff can appoint as many deputies as he wants. He has the power. I'm not going to call the guard to protect the kidnappers who willfully killed a fine boy like that. Let the law take its course. So he would not call out the guard to protect those prisoners. Yeah. Yeah, what? Okay. Okay. <laughs> he, I mean, this is a, what choice did he, I mean, he was trying to get on the side of the, of the mob for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he, he's, he's, he wasn't someone who did the right thing. Yeah. He was a, 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 a pretty crooked, every governor of California this time was a crook throughout this entire period. The teens, the 20s, the 30s, they were, un, it was unbelievably really? corrupt. Oh God, yeah. Mm. Every one of them was a scumbag. Under pretty much everyone, understanding that they had to charge them eventually with a crime. They finally did on the, I think it's the 22nd, they charged them, they indicted them for extortion, apparently feeling that that crime was on firmer ground than the murder. I guess they had oh. evidence of seeing them making the call so they can say, okay, you were, you were committing extortion, extortion on the Hart family for sure. We've okay. got you that we caught you kind of doing that. They could probably identify their voice. I'm assuming yeah. some of these things. So they felt uh, this was a more sure crime. Again, they and then they probably didn't want to process and speed up the process of them either declaring themselves insane for the murder conviction or for the um or or that they would lawyer up and right. try to get those confessions thrown out. Speaking of lawyering up, you know, I mean, no crime and no criminal is too awful or, or no crime is too hot for a lawyer to take the case. So Thurman had to settle for a lawyer he found in Farway Chico. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he had to go to Chico to get a lawyer. Holmes, though, Jack Holmes, got one of the most prominent lawyers in the state. Wow. Apparently, the Holmes family was money. They had serious cash. His father promised a $10,000 retainer. That's $220,000 thousand dollars okay why was he kidnapping people for money then he, I, I think he was a little bit estranged from his family but he came from a very well-to-do family weirdly enough i know it he was remember he was he, they were both unemployed i i don't know yeah. didn't want to go i don't know i don't know but his, now that their son was you know looking at the death penalty 
they came to his aid, apparently, even though they had to have known he committed this heinous, brutal, yeah. horrible act. So they offered 10000 bucks to a San Francisco defense lawyer named Vincent Hallinan, very famous at the time. He was a tireless fighter for progressive causes, and he would eventually, in 1952, he was still fairly young at this point, he would get 140,000 votes running for president oh. in 1952 <laughs> on, a, on like a, I can't remember, it's like a left-wing, you know, yeah. social, Democrat, whatever party. That's funny. Yeah, I know. On November 24th, Hallinan demanded that Governor Rolf get the National Guard ready in case of violence. And, and violence did seem imminent. So he right. said, at least get them ready, get them poised to step in if something does happen. Rolf's response was to proclaim that, quote, he would pardon the lynchers, end quote, if that happened. Oh, sounds See, like you know who. <laughs> it really does, actually. So he's openly saying, if, if you lynch this guy, I'll pardon you. The governor of the state of California, <sighs> Sonny Jim Rolf. Sonny Jim. Always had a smile on his face. Rumors start to swirl. It's the hot topic at universities, at people's clubs and things like that. Almost anywhere people congregated, all they're talking about was the potential for these guys to be lynched. Mm -hmm. So potential lynching was, again, I want to stress, the law enforcement absolutely knew this was a real thing and, and could happen. If you think about the psychology of it, here's how I take it. I think it's like these San Jose was considered a very safe city. It was like, oh, no one locked their doors and all that kind of bullshit. But still, it's considered a really friendly. Again, it wasn't a huge city like it is now. It was a big city, don't get me wrong. But it, it, had, it wasn't, it was just sort of more insular at the time. Everybody kind of knew each other for the most part, or at least a lot of folks did. And mm -hmm. this person had just cold-bloodedly killed one of the brightest young lights in their city, nabbed him right up the streets in daylight, by the way. I think yeah. ours just, maybe it's just dusk when they nabbed him right in the middle of downtown. It was right, right there just behind Hart's department so store. And then they demanded money from the Hart family, even though they knew they had killed him. So it was this perfect storm of, of story and character and, and, and that and villains that really made it just uh, just the the desire for vengeance was just primal at mm -hmm. this point from from so many people in, in San Jose. So their bloodthirst is boiling. Law enforcement always knew that when they finally did discover Brooke Hart's body, that could be the match that lit things. They knew that. This is pure speculation on my part. But I wonder, I, they clearly searched very diligently and they brought folks in. But remember, they, they, they did call it off. And your reaction to them calling it off on the 25th was, wow, really? Yeah. I wonder if they called off the search, hoping the body would never be found. Or at least not found for a very long time. Not when things were still so raw right. as they were. That's my, I, yeah. I'm totally guessing on that, but I wouldn't be surprised. Because they understood that that was a possibility. So then the body was found by those two duck hunters on, on November 26th. Immediately, I I think the next morning, maybe even that night, local radio station KQW declared that there would be a lynching at St. James Park that very night, come one, come all. I believe that's the morning of the 27th. So the morning of the 27th, word gets out early on. So they called the radio station. Somebody told the radio station. Police must have station. told the radio station, yeah. Or, or, you know, the police? Remember they found... They found the body of the night of 26. They went out there. They got the decomposed body and his friends, probably early morning, his friends yeah. identified him. So by the morning of the 27th, word was, word was out publicly. The, the news, so the local news was covering it. But you said the news reported there was going to be a public lynching. They basically said, they're basically inviting it, calling for it, essentially. Oh, okay. Not, not like it's not like planned. The, no, <laughs> no. That's what I thought you meant. Oh, sorry. Okay. No. So they, But still. 
the radio station's like, hey, it's going to happen tonight. Almost like predicting okay. it, I guess, okay. more so than Got anything it. else. Okay. But still, but doing so in a way that's effectively saying, let's do this. Yeah. Other radio stations soon followed suit, but really, honestly, the citizens of San Jose didn't really need any more urging. Crowds started to gather by 11 a.m. the morning of the 27th, which was not long after newspapers hit. I think there's extras, so it didn't come out in the first morning edition. Extras came out. Suddenly, everybody knew very quickly. That's how news disseminated at the time. And Brooks' body had been found. He was for sure dead. Again, there was just sort of a match, you know? It was just kind of the Mm -hmm. final straw. They knew he was dead, but that... The finding the body like that was was the last straw. Yeah. So Sheriff Emig belatedly realized, okay, maybe my jail here is not such a great fortress. This situation is really bad. He had his deputies erect a kind of barricade at the entrance of the jail right across from St. James Park. What they did was they got a bunch of cars and trucks and they just parked them in oh, front that's... of the jail, hoping that would just at least buffer yeah. from the crowd. Not a bad idea. No, it's not. Still, yeah, he, he, they should not have been there. He yeah. should have never brought them back to San yeah. Jose, for sure. Nothing. This probably was, doesn't happen in San Francisco or Sacramento or someplace else. He could yeah. have taken them to. Emig and his deputies hunkered down, and they waited as the crowd outside grew and simmered. They said, you're not going to get him. They just hoped it would finally blow over. I mean, again... The, everybody knew he was dead. Now the body was found, and people are more upset, more angry. But they're hopeful yeah. that that nothing would it wouldn't finally break. A fairly modern reporter for the San Jose Mercury News. This is a newspaper in San Jose is a very good newspaper. His name is Harry Farrell. So he's writing. He wrote this recently. He wrote a book and he called it "Swift Justice" about this event. He described the crowd that gathered. On the day, on the 27th, after news of the body being found came out, he said there, quote, ruffians and rednecks, the curious and thrill seekers, the sadistic bullies who relished the idea they could kill with impunity. They came from San Jose, from Santa Clara, from Morgan Hill and Palo Alto. There was a big traffic jam, end quote. So a traffic jam for people to get into the city of San Jose and into downtown San Jose so they could lynch someone. And or or watch it. Uh, And or watch it, yeah, you're right. That's pretty horrifying. It is. Again, less than a century ago, less than 90 years ago, it's it's nuts. The mob was generally, by the way, well-dressed. Like everybody back then, (laughs) they they had their suits. I've seen pictures, these suits and ties and their vests and their hats. It's just weird how everybody dressed like that. And this mob was a well-dressed mob. Sure. There were plenty of women and children there. Yikes. It wasn't just, and it, so it wasn't just a bunch of redneck yahoos. It was, you know, it was San Jose. Yeah. It was the area. Well, I imagine there were plenty of oh, rednecks. Sure. And yeah. Oh, no. There, the no, no. California yeah. has long had red. This yeah. is 1933. You have yeah. some of that already, already happening where California had a lot of folks from the South. Uh, we're migrating to the, that's true. Well, that's, I mean, that's technically what a redneck is, but and they, they don't, they don't mean that. They just meant, you know, uh, I don't know. He probably meant, people. yeah, exactly. Yes. So the night wore on, the crowd did not let up. It wasn't, again, they're hopeful that, okay, they'll just calm down. They didn't. Mm-hmm. It started getting dark and the, and the crowd's just growing and, and it's festering. By 9 p.m., they estimated the crowd was at least 5,000, maybe as many as 15,000 people packed in to downtown San Jose. They're mostly you know, on the streets. So obviously, streets were closed down the streets in front of the jail and all over St. James Park. Despite his rhetoric, Governor Rolfe 
knew that. Is it Rolf? R-O-L-P-H. Oh. So Governor Rolf, despite his pretty rancid rhetoric, he knew this is a pretty volatile situation. So he did take a, he's kind of belatedly also taking it more seriously. He kept in touch, hit an open telephone line from the capital in Sacramento where he was to San Jose, where he had his brand new, he had just appointed a new head of the California Highway Patrol. And it was, was kind of served as a little bit of a state police agency in a certain in, in a way. Still kind of does. Yeah. We don't have a state FBI or a state Bureau of Investigation like a lot of states do or state troopers like in Connecticut or something like that. The closest thing we have is the Highway Patrol. Yeah. He, that uh, person was at a political supporter's house in the hills just outside San Jose. He's kind of like, you know, tell us what's going on. And the chip head reported that that the crowd every once in a while would chant 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock. Everyone knew what that meant. Mm -hmm. This is about nine o'clock. So Rolf was supposed to fly that night to Boise to attend a Western governor's conference. But ever the politician, he canceled because his political rival was named Fred Miriam and he was the Lieutenant governor in California. Lieutenant governor and governor are elected separately. They were both Republicans, but they didn't like each other. And Rolf didn't leave the state because if he left the state, Miriam takes over temporarily. Right. And he was afraid that Miriam would call out the National Guard yeah. to protect those prisoners. He did not, Rolf didn't want that to happen. Yeah. So he stayed in state. Well, as the governor, act. he also shouldn't leave the state when something big is going down like that. Of course not. But, but he his, should his be handling it and he's was, not. Was bizarre or world opposite yes. of what that reason should be. Yeah. Imagine the crowd, 15,000 people, ten, at least 10, screaming. They're screaming. They're yelling for the deputies. Give them up. Give them up. Bad things are going to happen to you if you don't give these prisoners up. Just let us have them. Yeah. And this demand was refused. So the mob started just manhandling the barricading cars and trucks out of the way, just picking them up and getting them out of the way so they could open a path to the big wood doors that are locked. But now all they have between them and the county jail is these these big wooden doors. Yeah. They they get rid of the uh, cars and trucks, the barricade. When this is happening, it's about ten thirty or so. The sheriff urgently called the governor again and said, "Please call in the guard. They're they're gonna come in. Yeah, they're they're, they're getting the trucks and cars out of the way to come in. They're gonna get in here." Rolf again refused to wow. call the guard. I, you can only conclude from his actions that he wanted this to happen. Yes. So Rolf would later say, quote, had I called out the troops to beat down the crowd, terrible consequences would have resulted. Should good citizens be shot down to protect a couple of fiends for whom there are no words adequate to describe? Well, quote. I would argue they're not good citizens. For, well, clearly they're not yeah, good citizens. I know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You know, you know how you know you're not a good citizen? When you lynch someone, mm -hmm. anyone, it doesn't matter. So 11 p.m. does roll around. But it passes. They don't break in yet. But around midnight, things started to change. John Young, he was a San Jose reporter on the scene at the time. He said he heard a quote, a kind of keening that stirred a primeval. Let me see that over again because that's not the right word. <laughs> he said he heard, quote, a kind of keening that stirred a primeval tingling on the back of my neck, unquote. Mm. Pretty primeval tingling. Primeval tingling. It's just like it's like almost a crowd as one. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's go. Let's go kill a man. A young man at that about that time, he cried out, quote, all true men with guts enough to follow me and get those sons of bitches. 
unquote. Well, you know, San Jose police have guns, theoretically. They do. But that would have been That would have been an escalation. Terrible. That actually, that actually came up, I'll tell you in a second, actually. So, But, you cra- know, you got to crack down. That's what you say. What do you mean? You got to crack down on it or it's going to happen again. Crack down on what? What are you talking about? A Is mob trying oh. to get in to murder people. Yeah, that's true. But they also didn't want to die. And there was ten or 15,000 people True. There. And I imagine a fair amount of guns in the Oh, I'm, I'm the sure crowd. there were not none. Yeah. yeah. The crowd scavenged a huge pipe from a nearby construction site. They're building a new post office, just a, a few lots over. Mm-hmm. So they grow grabbing this giant. I've seen it. It's a, it's a you know, it's, I guess it's not super narrow, but it's not that thick, but it's, I don't know, 40 feet long. It looks huge. And so a bunch of people get this pipe and they start ramming it like a big metal battering ram into those thick wooden doors at the front of the county jail. Uh, pounding, you know, to, to break in the deputies from the upper, the second and third floor windows start th- uh, throwing tear gas out to the crowd, but it only seemed to enrage them further. And they started ha- yeah. hammering harder and harder. The two prisoners had been on in cells on the first floor. So earlier they had moved them up to the second floor and two different cells. And I think they separated them just as the door is being breached. The sheriff Emig said, everybody up, get off the first floor. All of us go to the second floor. He had nine deputies and eight county patrol, uh, a chip, chip highway patrolmen yeah. at his, under his command. That's it. Yeah. So 17 people. He told them, look, defend yourselves however you can. Do not use your guns and do not use batons because I, nothing I read says exactly why, but clearly he thought, then at least they won't kill us. Yeah. If we don't kill them, they probably won't kill us. It won't go great for us, but we probably won't get killed because we're not going to... Once the door... Th- this is as the door is being breached. There's, yeah. They had no chance. Literally, again, 17 people right. against 7, 10, 12, 15,000. Well, 7, 12, 15,000 people aren't going to fit in. No, they're not going to fit in, but a group of about 50 people then rushed in when the Mm -hmm. door finally gave way, at least that many. They rampaged through the building, but they did not know where the two prisoners were being held. And at least at first, the deputies and and the the law enforcement folks were not telling. I'd say we, we moved them out last night. Yeah. It was too late, though. I mean, they should have said that. In the, they should have come I, out at 11 a.m. when the crowd started getting and say, no, 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 they're not here. Yeah. They're not here. Maybe even hid them and had, had representatives come through and look around. Yeah. It was too late. They knew they were there. Yeah. They began stomping on and beating the officers, including Sheriff Emig, demanding that they tell them where the prisoners are. So Deputy Sheriff John Moore, one of the, the, per- person, the persons there on site, he described how he was attacked and choked but he still wouldn't give up the location of the two targets. The mob finally found a man in a second floor cell and they thought he was Holmes. Mm-hmm. And so 50 men rushed into the cell. You know, I, I said 50 men came in, probably hundreds came in. Right. I'll take that back. 50 men rushed into I, I, maybe a, a holding cell, I'm guessing. So a fairly large cell, but he was in there by himself and they had a length of rope with them. So one man who wore a mask asked the prisoner if he was Holmes. The prisoner said, no. I am not Holmes. The man said, quote, you're a damn liar. I know you. And the mob put a rope around his neck. And he's, he's cringing. He's begging for mercy. He's in a corner. They put a rope around his neck as he cries out, spare me, spare me. Don't take me out. Don't deliver me, deliver me to that crazy mob, end quote. So they start beating him mercilessly. Mm-hmm. 
and they then drag him by the rope around his neck. They drag him across the ground and out of the cell. One of the mob asked Deputy Moore, okay, is that guy Holmes? We think he's Holmes. Is he? Moore said, I don't know. Ah. <laughs> Which, and someone said, quote, you're a liar, Moore. You brought him from San Francisco and we know it. Moore must have been the person who escorted him from San Francisco back to San Jose a few uh -huh. days before. Uh, so they beat and choked Moore a second time. And they, while they're doing this, the, the mob pulls the man who they thought was Holmes down the stairs head first and out the door and into the midst of the mob. Yeah. So the remainder of the mob that's still in the jail, now they're searching for Thurmond. They can't find Thurmond. So they think they have Holmes. Yeah. He's outside in the mob. They're still searching for Thurmond inside the jail. They do find out which cell he was in. I, I'm assuming, I haven't read this for sure, I'm assuming some deputy must have told him. Yeah. They open the cell and they don't see anybody. Now it's dark. The lights have gone out. The power's out. It's dark. Oh. And they start, so they start lighting matches and someone gets a candle. They light a candle. So they're looking around the cell. Again, I'm assuming it's a good sized cell, I guess. Maybe it's another holding cell. I'm not sure. Yeah. And they don't find him because they have to look around with a candle in every corner of this of this, this cell. And finally, someone sees like, hey, there's a closet that I guess is kind of weird. It's this tall closet that's adjoining the cell that, and it's closed. And they say, hey, maybe he's hiding in there. So they open the closet and they peer inside and still no Thurman. He's not in the huh. closet. So he's not in the closet and not in the cell. And this is the cell they were told that where he was. So they're, they're, they're not sure what the, what, what's going on. It's kind of a narrow closet, but it's very high. Like I guess it goes all the way to the ceiling. And someone decides to look up with the candle and there he is. Thurman had climbed all the way to the top wow. of the closet, about 15 feet up, and had wedged himself like a spider. He yeah. kind of spider crawled mm -hmm. with his feet on one side and his, and, his, and his hands on the other, all the way to the very top. And it's just, so think about that. Yeah. They're right below you. It's like a movie. Yeah. And if they look up, bad things are going to happen. And they do look up. Yeah. So the crowd screamed. The crowd screamed out. Like, we got him, you know. Yeah. And Moore said, quote, when they sighted him in the light with the matches, the most terrible bloodthirsty cries of fiendish delight I have ever heard rang through the jail, end quote. Mm. So I was like, we got him. Thurman was beaten viciously. Uh, and they... Wait, was the first guy Holmes? Oh, we'll see. Won't oh, we? okay. <laughs> Thurman was barely conscious by the time they got him out to St. James Park outside mm -hmm. of the jail. He was beaten so badly. And they had him join with the second person in the park. And the mob starts beating, stomping on them. It, they, they stomped on Thurman as he was, even as he's being dragged across the street. And people, some, and he had the rope around him as well, around his neck. Some were yanking on the rope that was knotted around his neck already. One weirdly, oddly brave person at this point of all points tries to stop the mob and says, no, don't do this. Wow. And, uh, amazing. Yeah. I don't know who this person's name. I wish we did. The Literally, the group around him bodily picked him up over their heads and hurled him over wow. a chunk of the crowd into you know, in, uh, into the yeah. ground. He left, I'm, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to join their fate. So they have Thurman. They have the rope around him. They threw the other end of the rope over a mulberry tree toward the south side of St. James Park. It's right right across from where 
the Trinity Cathedral still is. And they pulled him into the air around this big, thick branch of a mulberry tree. Rioters start tearing his clothes. They start tearing his pants for shreds Mm -hmm. that they will long keep as favored souvenirs for the rest of their lives. I know it. Later on, after the, the, the next day, pieces of the ropes were sold to the public for yeah. cash. And they used to do that back in the yeah, olden days. Yes, they did. When people were barbarians. Just, uh, well, again, <laughs> that's, that's why point. we're talking about this. People were still barbarians not that mm-hmm. long ago. I, 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 There's no reason this couldn't happen today, honestly, if, if the well, conditions I mean, are correct. Look at the South. Yeah. Look at all the horrific things they did to human beings. I, that's another reason. I mean, I know it's unfair. Well after this. There were, un, there were lynchings in California, but... You don't think of California as a lynching place. You don't think of 1933 as a a time of lynching in California. certainly don't think of downtown San Jose in full view of all the city fathers as a place where where two men Mm -hmm. are being lynched. But this is what's happening. So Thurman is at the end of the rope. He's writhing. The mob then at this time, they brought the man they believed to be Holmes to an elm tree in the dead center of the park. There was a statue of former President William McKinley there. And an elm tree right next to it, they, again, slung the rope over a branch of the elm tree as he continued to claim he was not their man. Quote, you're making a big mistake. I'm not the man you want. End quote. Hmm. The prisoner was beaten and bloodied. And the fine the crowd just pulled the other side of the rope. They heaved him up. His hands were not tied. So he's trying to claw the noose away from his neck. Yeah. They broke both his arms. Oof. The crowd roared, men and women alike. The women were, a lot of reporters commented on how the women were often egging on the men to do yeah. these things throughout the, the night. Some women, again, many women had brought their kids with them. Some of those women Jeez. at this point picked their kids up to hold them up so they can get a better view of the action. Hmm. This is, you know, humanity. People were singing, some were, were, were chanting, but finally the two men stopped writhing. They were dead, and after a little while, they just the, the crowd just it's I guess like almost like it's spent. Well, not really because they start leaving. But one reporter said they they hung around about a half hour, just looking at the bodies. They had to know that they, yeah. they 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 choked. Remember they were pulled up, so it takes a while to die. They probably it probably took them. Doesn't it takes like eight ten minutes I easily? Don't know. It can even take fifteen minutes to asphyxiate when you're, there's no. That's why. You know, remember the good hangman would always make sure your your neck snapped and you died pretty much instantaneously. Yeah. In this case, no, they, they they weren't good hangmen. They were not. They were, were there not. report? There were reporters and stuff Tons there, of them, right? All over. Were there yeah. people taking pictures? I'd oh, be, for sure. There's pictures taking pictures of the the people that actually physically did the lynchings, yeah, and then demand they be prosecuted. Well, there were lots of pictures. I'll say that. We'll we'll, we'll learn okay. in a minute what happened with the the crowd. After about a half an hour, most people are gone. The, the mob was said to be still just exuberant the whole time. And even as they're leaving, one reporter said, like, they danced serpentine dances to their cars, singing and chanting. Like, they just had a great time. Like, they're leaving a concert. Wow. Deputy Sheriff Moore, one of the persons who was beaten inside the jail, he wrote, quote, I never knew human beings could, be, could go so wild. They were not human. They were animals, end quote. The San Francisco Chronicle had a journalist named Royce Breyer and he was on the scene that night and he wrote the next day's issue that it was quote, a three hour whirling howling drama of lynch law end quote. Hmm. About 45 minutes after the two men had been lynched, police officers finally came out and cut the bodies down. 
The crowd had, had, I think, more or less completely gone by this point. Jack Holmes was cremated soon thereafter. Harold Thurman was buried at Oak Hill Memorial Park, the same place that Brooke Hart had been buried. Again, his family had some cash. Yeah. Thurman's grave, though. No, I'm sorry. Holmes' family had some cash. I take yeah. that back. That's interesting. Thurman's grave was unmarked. Reaction to the lynching was mostly positive. Wow. Particularly from the state's political and even the legal class. Quote, there was no element of doubt in this case. The men had confessed, said San Francisco Superior Court Judge Timothy Fitzpatrick. A judge yeah. said that. Continue his quote. While ordinarily we cannot condone such happenings, from a judicial standpoint, I can only say, in my personal opinion, they did a damned good job, end quote. Wow. How that's a judicial standpoint, we'll yeah. never know. It's yeah. clear not. Nope. So this was a Superior Court judge. I think he's based in San Francisco. Most newspapers, particularly in and around San Jose, wrote absolutely clearly in favor of what just happened. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, local, I think. I, I, again, that may have been a little different in San Francisco or other parts of the, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm sure it's hit and miss anywhere, but, but in San Jose itself, they're almost universally in favor of the lynching. Yeah. A Stanford profession, professor, Stanford was very nearby, asked his students to applaud and stand up and applaud the lynching the next day. Governor Rolfe, he called it, quote, the best lesson ever given the country. I would like to parole all kidnappers in San Quentin to the fine patriotic citizens of San Jose, end wow. quote. In other words, yeah. let them all be lynched yes. by those fine patriotic mobsters in San Jose. Rolfe also reiterated his promise to parole anyone who was convicted of a crime for taking part in the lynchings. The governor it turns out, though, didn't need to parole anyone because no one was ever convicted of a crime for this event. Yeah. Memories, but I mean, by that day, everybody's memory was a fog. No one saw anyone there. Mysteriously, there was nothing but vagueness and uncertainty. Alameda County District Attorney and later famously liberal Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, Earl Warren, he called for prosecution of the, of the lynchers. Yeah. Not much he can do, though. It didn't happen on his tract. It happened down in Santa Clara County. How, they violated his their civil rights, it's right? It's not a it, thing back then. No, and it was also it's not it's also not a state thing. It's a federal thing. That's what I'm that's what I'm saying. But not until the '60s. Okay. No, I think Kennedy, Attorney General, oh. more or less. I think he they I, that didn't that was not to come for decades for sure. So Santa Clara County Assistant DA, his name is Herbert Bridges, he said he was, quote, not sorry it had happened in San Jose, end quote. His boss, the actual DA, his name is Fred Thomas, he said he doubted there would ever be enough evidence to convict anyone. So he's openly saying, I don't see how we're ever going to get enough evidence. Yeah, it helps because you're not looking yeah. for evidence. They were not trying to, to prosecute or do anything about this at yeah. all. It's essentially, it was an out-in-the-open official cover-up. I mean, they weren't, you know, so no if, one doubted what was going on. If a local DA doesn't act on a crime the state attorney general can it, it's tough it's it's not common yeah it's not impossible it's not common back in this time it was it was pretty uncommon yeah it still is i know it's tough it's very difficult to do that it's not it's it's unwieldy it's considered you know an overreach that i think that i, I don't know if it's for a fact there might even have to be some legal technical yeah reasons for that to even be apl applicable even when Many of the lynchers bragged about what they had done in the days and weeks after the event. 
The DA chalked this up to, quote, just local youths being boastful. So mm-hmm. no big. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to do anything about it. Those seven people were arrested over the next few months. None of them were convicted. This included an 18-year-old named Anthony Capaldi. He was one of those boastful youths, I guess. He claimed he had brought one of the ropes used in lynchings from his father's ranch that night. He's like telling people, yeah, I was yeah. there. I helped out and I brought the rope. He was he was arrested and eventually the charges that were dropped since not one single witness could be called on and found to, to place him there and place him as yeah. part of the lynch bomb. And I imagine even if you weren't sympathetic to the lynching, you'd be afraid. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that guy who tried to stop it when they yeah. had them there is, is that's amazing. Yeah. There were other voices though, besides or Warren who did condemn the act and uh, thought it was and, and called for there to be real justice. These included president Franklin Roosevelt. He mm-hmm. actually took the radio shortly after and he called the, the event quote collective murder. Yeah. End quote. Former president Herbert Hoover. He was now, I believe he is now the president of Stanford University. He condemned, quote, Lynch Law, and he condemned Governor Rolf specifically. I don't think the two were friends. So Rolf fired back, and he said, my hands were tied. He said, if you (laughs) brought out the guard or if soldiers had been called in, quote, hundreds of innocent citizens might have been mowed down, end quote. It's just Well, A, innocent, and, you know. But no. Uh, uh, yeah. Just the presence of the National Guard no. for sure would have stopped that. And yeah. a large presence surrounded the jail, it wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. He knows that. He even shaded Hoover. Hoover had called, had famously called out the army in 1932 when a bunch of uh, people who thought they had not been paid their full war bonuses from back in World War One were camping out in D.C. He called out the army to to rout them and, and chase them off. And so Rolf's like, yeah, you're you know you're a dick. Yeah, <laughs> you you called out the army, but you did it. To, against soldiers, so they didn't like each other. Holmes's parents sued the governor and one of the radio stations that had kind of egged on the crowd. But the suit was dropped when Rolf, who had long been in poor health, he died the following June. This is remember, happened in late November. He died the following June, so the suit went nowhere. Oh, could have sued the state of California. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, probably. Holmes is today. They for sure would have. And the city of San Jose. Yes, and, and a lot of other people. Yeah. Holmes' widow, Jack Holmes' widow, she sued law enforcement for not doing enough to save her husband. Yeah. I don't know what happened to that. I don't think anything happened to it. There was no, I, I'm, I'm sure there was nothing, there's no positive. I don't know if she was paid off under the table or what have you, but yeah. it, nothing happened to that suit. Thurman's family, however, did absolutely nothing. They basically never spoke of him again. Yeah. So, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, if I were the relatives of the, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, yeah. it would be hard. By the way, are you still in suspense? About what? About whether or not they did it? What, no, or whether, whether or not, not Jack it was Holmes. Them. Yeah, Jack Holmes. Remember, that, that person, until he was strung up from the tree, was saying, I'm not your guy. Yeah. It was him. Yeah. Just I thought it yeah. keeping suspense. <laughs> I possible. figured it was. It was him, and they did do it. Because There's if no it wasn't him, they would have found more people in jail. I mean, were there people in the jail? That's a great that question. Left? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And there must have been. People who, like I said, they had been arrested. They had been seen in public. There had to be people who at least knew, knew roughly they what they looked yeah. like from from physical, from seeing them in person and having and mem- remember what they looked like. So yeah, luckily no one was. You could see that happening. If oh sure. Bore yeah. a resemblance. If you bore a resemblance to either one of those guys and you were in jail, it's like no, no, yeah. please put me somewhere else. This is yeah. not going to end well for me. But no, it was Holmes and it was Thurman. 
And they, as I mentioned a, a little bit ago, they, there's no question they did it. Soon, though, the lynching was forgotten. Hart's department store grew into a big chain. It's very successful, but then kind of started to fade. And by 1976, he sold it off the company. Did the Hart family make any sort of statement about they, any of this? Um, not really. Okay. They, I, they made a, a, a kind of a soft condemnation yeah. statement. They said that was, you know, it was wrong. We yeah. wish you hadn't have done that kind of a thing. I, don't, I can't remember the exact wording, but yeah. they were not bloodthirsty people. The store is long gone. It's like some, if you go look on the streets, I've been there. It, it, it's, it's just like little cheesy you know, little restaurants and things like that. It, it's, um, it's, but it's still right there in the heart of downtown. Is it the same building that's been? You know, I don't know. I don't know. It might be and just repurposed. It might yeah. be refurbished. It's possible. But the store, the Harsh Department store doesn't exist right. anymore. The, the chain doesn't exist anymore. St. James Park is still there. It's this palm fringed seven acres right in the middle of downtown. It's a very beautiful place. About a week after Holmes and Thurman were lynched, the city council listened to testimony from a bunch of citizens who wanted the elm tree, the one by the William McKinley statue in the middle of the park, they wanted that elm tree kept sacred, protected as a kind of memorial to warn bad people not to do bad things in their city. Well, okay. The city council, to their great credit, voted to have both the elm tree and the mulberry tree cut down, cut down yeah. and chipped, destroyed. They were all, both trees were already stripped of bark and branches as high as human fingers could reach by people looking for souvenirs of this horrific event in 1933. That is the story of Brooke Hart and the Silicon Valley lynching in 1933. It's not a pretty Mm. one. (laughs) No. It's not an uplifting one, Mm -mm. but it is, in my mind, it's I, I, again. It's when I first I read this decades ago. I was nineteen thirty three. Are you serious? This happened in, in California, in Silicon Valley, in San Jose. It's it's remarkable. You don't think of that. And there was actually it was like the I think is officially the second to last lynching in California. There was another one in nineteen thirty five or something like that. But typically in California, those are kind of rural. You know. Almost never white, by the way. Yeah. There are some famous lynchings, uh, lynchings of, of Chinese immigrants in Los Angeles in, um, I can't remember, you know, not ridiculously long ago. Yeah. But this was this was a fairly odd event for a Californian, and, and especially just the time and the place, make it, to me, make it amazing. Yeah. In a bad way, I guess. Yeah. Very bad way. Yeah. Very disappointed in San Jose. Yeah, I know it. Me too. Yeah. No, that's not where I'm from. But Roosevelt, Earl Warren, and Herbert Hoover come off better. That's good. Good for them. Damn it. Well, did you expect no. at least Roosevelt and <laughs> The Earl governor Warren of California to... is openly saying, I'm going to pardon yeah. anyone who does anything, so go go for it. Yes, but so. we know every governor of California yeah. hasn't been good. So That's true. But still, that was, um, I mean, I, like I said, he could have... He could have stayed on the right side of the politics of this one without being as monstrous as he was. Yeah. I feel like. And he he really, he, I mean, he for sure helped it happen. Yeah. So that's the story. Mm. I hope you enjoyed it, quote unquote. Mm. Probably I not. I hope you didn't enjoy it. That's true, actually. Did, I take that back. But I hope then you, you found might it. be from San Jose. Wow. You're just, okay. <laughs> it was a long time ago in the sense of all those people are dead now. How's that? Yeah, but their descendants are probably still alive. Wow, Gary. You know who you are, descendants of the lynch mob. Yeah, somebody probably didn't have her baby there, so. That was gross. Picking your kids up. 
to make sure they can see a person being murdered. That's classy. Stay classy, San Jose. Yeah, we were beyond the time when public executions were entertainment, I would think, by 1933. Absolutely. And it was just clearly not true. Mm -hmm. That's 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 one again, another one of the reasons I thought this was a pretty remarkable case and worthy of, of being on, on the yeah. podcast was that it just you just don't think that kind of thing would have happened. And especially the well, bloodthirstiness and the entertainment value and the souvenir yes. hunting. It's just the the person. lynchings now not surprising, but the circumstances of the lynching. That's true. I, I'm surprised by both, to be honest with you. Maybe I'm be, I'm naive, but I was I've always been surprised by both. Yeah, that's our story. We hope. Well, hey, Carrie is going to, I think, do something a little more lighter next time. Are you? I don't know. We'll bring. We'll, uh, it depends. Let's we don't not know. have death we and destruction. We don't know what day it is on the next one. Okay, at least at least we can do something. Less death and destruction-y. Can we make that promise, Carrie? No. Damn it. All right. Well, hopefully we will. We can't sh be sure. We might not, actually. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, maybe not. But we'll try not to. Okay. All right. We'll see yes, you. Yes, because uh, we know a listener who's having a hard time getting to sleep listening to our podcast lately. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Because it's too what, downer, mm -hmm. too dark. Okay, let's do something. We'll do something light. Okay. Do something upbeat. All right. Okay. See you. Bye. Thanks for listening.